Hey there, welcome into the Monday Scramble podcast. I'm George Savarikis, flanked by GolfChannel.com's Will Gray and Jay Coffin. We have a fourth ringer who will join us just shortly, who just got back from the Deutsche Bank Championship, where the headline story, what a final round performance out of Rory McIlroy. Jay, it seemed like a long time coming. Well, yeah, I mean, as longtime members of Team Rory, right, right, Will? This is a big <laughs> win. This is a much-needed win. Will for... and I have been uh, tooting Rory's horn for the better part of uh, all year, for sure. <laughs> Um, yes, exactly. So kind of uh, good for our boy to get on the board in, in studly fashion. Yeah, Rory's back. How about that? Leading the field and driving distance, leading the field and putting. That's a pretty good combination last time I checked. And uh, yeah, this was a vintage McElroy performance. I was reading some feedback yesterday. It seems like he doesn't have a boring win. He doesn't know how to just like and win I'm by two that. shots. Yeah, it's always, there's always something about it. And this was certainly uh, a case of that where he raced a six-shot deficit as yeah. Paul Casey kind of gagged one away down the yep. stretch. All right, everyone seems to be buying in based on what we saw, especially on the greens with the putter. How is this different than his win at the Irish Open where you heard a lot of the common refrain of, hey, this is going to lead to a huge summer for Rory, and it really didn't lead to squat? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know that we know. I don't know that it is different. <laughs> I know that we'll, maybe we find out this week that it's different. It's only different if this carries on and he continues to play well. It doesn't necessarily need to win BMW or the Tour Championship, but it's only different if somehow, somehow it continues on because it, it feels sort of the same. He hit some great shots. The eagle on, on, uh, on the third round, you know, overcoming a little bit of adversity. He hit some Rory-like shots. So in that aspect, it's the same, but... I, I don't know. Yeah, I think expectations are going to be a little more tempered because he didn't succeed as much as we expected after winning in Ireland. Mm -hmm. So now, second time around, fool me once, all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I think more importantly, the focus, just with anything, like you spend the first three months of the year leading up to the Masters. The last six or seven weeks, whatever, have all been about the Ryder Cup. This month is all about the Ryder Cup. Sorry, PGA Tour. And there was ludicrous discussion of the fact that Rory's putting was going to be a huge weakness for the Europeans mm -hmm. in the Ryder Cup. Uh, Why was it, that ludicrous? Because the it was it, putted terribly well, for three months. It was right? warranted. I just don't. I just never saw it happening. And again, I'm, I'm you never saw what you never saw him. I didn't, you, I didn't, you didn't think, think he was going to continue to put that battle. Yeah, I didn't think he was going to be gagging five footers for the next four weeks. Gotcha. I thought eventually a player of his caliber, given enough time to get used to a new putter, a new stroke, whatever, was going to turn it around. He turned it around quicker, perhaps, than I expected. Quite the Tuesday morning quarterback over here. All right, let's welcome in GolfChannel.com's Rex Haggard. Rex. You were at the Deutsche Bank Championship. What was the scene like that unfolded seeing Rory finally get his first PGA Tour win this season? George, let me break my arm here, patting myself on the back. If we go back in time on Wednesday, I wrote a setup piece saying that even though he had all of these putting issues, he felt comfortable where he was going. He felt like he was heading in the right direction. And it would take him the better part of eight months to get there, was sort of the punchline. And the line was, I always thought that he would recover from this. I'm kind of in Will's camp. You don't expect him to continue to miss those four-footers that you have to make. But listening to him earlier in the week, I mean, this was a long-term process. He was aiming for Augusta next year. That's when he wanted things to turn around. And for him to do it this quickly, what was amazing to me is, as happy as he was about his putting, as, as fortunate as he felt like he was to turn it around so quickly, it was the fact he started the week four or four through his first three holes that really inspired him. He said it's the first time in his career he's ever done that, and it really gave him a push going, this is something I can prove. Starting under, you know, under the gun like I did and to turn it around and to end up winning by two strokes, it was really a phenomenal performance. 
Rex, there's a little bit of symmetry in the schedule this time around that, that we're going back to Crooked Stick now for the BMW Championship. The last time it happened was four years ago when Rory also won in Boston, went right to Indiana and won that tournament as well. Do you kind of, looking into that, that excellent crystal ball of yours, do you see that this is something he can bottle up and take with him over the next couple of weeks and potentially lead into a, a FedEx Cup victory? Or is this something that could go away as quickly as it arrived in Boston? And let's take it one step further, Will. Let's take it to all the way to Team National. Because in 2012, when he did that, he went all the way to Medina. And, of course, he did what he did. And he was a Sunday hero arriving late for, you know, just the last minute for, his round, for a Sunday round. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can see him doing this. He is the type of player. And it's funny, we, we're having these discussions because of the quote-unquote Billy Horschel rule uh, on the U.S. Ryder Cup side about waiting for the American to get hot like Billy Horschel did uh, back in 2014. I don't know that an American's going to do that, but you can certainly see Rory McIlroy doing that, where suddenly he feels comfortable with his putting. The theme of my story last night was talking with the other players of his caliber, Jordan Spieth, Jason Day, Adam Scott, and about how it's really their talent level that gives them the ability to turn things around so quickly. And all of them sort of agree that all you really need is not even a whole round. You need maybe four or five holes where things start clicking. You feel like you're starting to see putts a little bit better than you had before. That's what Rory's got under his belt now. If I was Davis Love, I'd be sitting at home in St. Simon's Island with just chills running down my spine. All right, Rexy, so final one for you then. It's a, it's a short week for these guys, right? You end on a Monday, and then they're starting just a couple days away. So what are your expectations then for Rory right away? Maybe not necessarily a win, but I mean, he's going to have to top five, right, and be in contention? Yeah, I expect him to top five. I, I expect him actually to hold on to that spot inside the top five of the FedEx Cup points because I think all of these guys have learned we're in the 10th year now of the season-long race that all you need is that top five number going into Eastlake. And at that point, I know we we don't like to stay controlling your own destiny. That's something that everyone wants to steer away from. But that's basically what it is. So it's a, it's a golf course. He's won on before. He's comfortable here. As he proved last week, his second win at TPC Boston, he's a horses-for-courses kind of guy. I expect to see him have a solid week and ride that momentum all the way to Eastlake. All right, Rex, appreciate the time. Good stuff. Hopefully those bags arrive quickly from luggage check 31 at the Orlando <laughs> International Airport. So, guys, with that win, European Ryder Cup team captain Derek Clark has to be ecstatic to see one of his workhorses peel that off. Let's take a look at the composition of Team Europe, which has already been set. You know they have their 12-man squad. He made those three Wild card selections, a couple veterans in Lee Westwood and Martin Keimer. And then the rookie, Thomas Peters, who shot that 62 in Maiden, Denmark, with Captain Darren Clark right next to him. So as we take a look at this team on paper, how strong does it stack up to the winning teams of 10, 12, and 14, Will? I think it looks pretty good. I mean, I, I, this is kind of one of those things where they're innocent until proven guilty. I'm not going to believe yeah. that the Americans can win until – someone is sitting there with the cup and a bottle of champagne on Sunday afternoon that you could exactly. you could clone 12 versions of 2006 Tiger Woods and go against this team and I'll still be like eh, I don't know the euros they they have something going so yeah I mean Jay feel free to I, I mean in. no I mean I look at it and I don't think it, it to me it doesn't look as strong as ones over the last couple last few years 
but Will is absolutely correct. It's funny how a week ago, you know, they're talking, man, you know, they have some rookies, and maybe this is maybe this is a so chance. They got six. Well, okay, yeah. so half the team, Thomas Peters, maybe it should have been Russell Knox. There was all this other talk. Well, then Rory goes out and does what he does, and and one guy can can lift that entire team. Yeah. All right, he's the guy. He's the guy on that team. So a week ago, we're saying half rookies, the U.S. will be able to do it. Now we're looking at Rory's doing what he did, and it's like, man, the U.S. doesn't have four guys who are worth a crap to pick for the captain's picks. They don't. They, I know we're going to talk about no, it a little no. bit later. They don't have four easy picks. These are guys that you're going to have to hope catch lightning <laughs> in a bottle here really quickly while Rory just did. So I don't think that that team looks as good as those, but it doesn't matter. I mean, the this, this script is totally flipped for the Americans and the Euros, and it comes as no surprise in this event. The Americans are always lamenting the fact that the veterans can't get it together and can't perform to a high level, and the Euros always have rookies who play well. Always. Whether it's Cole Sarts in 2012, yep. Donaldson and Dubuisson two years ago, it's going to be Danny Willett, it's going to be Cabrera Bayo, Peters. A couple of those guys are going to go lights out. They're going to win a match five and three, and you're going to say, where did this come from? How could right. we have expected this? It's just going to happen. They know it's going to happen. The U.S. knows it's going to happen, and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, it's easier to point that out considering the Europeans have won three in a row, but we had a stat last week with wild card selections that have been rookies in recent years for the Europeans. They've gone three, seven, and three, whereas the veterans had piled up a winning record, well, but it's easier to pinpoint a guy who plays well when it's part of a winning team, especially right. like Jamie sure. Donaldson, sure. who hits the finishing salvo at Glen Eagles to wind things down. I think on, on paper, you got to think the Europeans are going to win or at least be the favorite for what they've done recently. I agree with you. Well, Vegas, Vegas think, isn't making them a favorite. I personally would bet on the Americans. I think the Americans are going to win at Hazeltine. You have six rookies, and everyone, the point that I've harkened back to is the Americans had five rookies at Valhalla. It's easier when you have the home crowd behind you when you're a rookie, whereas if you're a rookie going into a hostile environment, I think that's a totally different dynamic. So that's why I would think the Americans this time eventually have to prevail law of averages. Yeah. Yeah. So if they you don't, keep thinking that. Then well, it, but, just but like the internationals have, eventually have to prevail in the President's Cup, right? And, and never do. Yeah. But there, there is more pressure on the Americans. I mean, there, there totally. just is because of all the task force and all that garbage that's gone on the last couple years. There just is more pressure. They're at home. They have to win. You know, all this stuff. And, and you know, they can tell you to a man that it doesn't matter, but it absolutely does. Because from now until that thing starts, they're, they're, they're only going to be asked about what happens. What if you don't? You know, it's going to be floating around the back. What if you don't? You're at home. You guys had all these meetings. You guys are talking more. You're having dinners. You're playing golf. You're going and hitting wedge shots into the 50-yard line at Gillette Stadium. But you know what? You're at home. You haven't won one of these things in forever. You've been a bunch of chumps for the last 20 years in this event. You have to win this one. That is more pressure. Whereas Clark has all the built-in excuses already ready to go. He's taking a young team into a hostile environment when the Americans are due for a win, mm -hmm. and Rory isn't quite on his game, and Henrik Stenson has a wobbly knee. Yep. And if he loses Which by two points, loose. yeah, if he loses by two points on Sunday, he'll light a cigar and yep. have a glass of scotch, and life will go on. Let's look at possible partners then for Rory McIlroy, who has clearly turned around his game now with this 72-hole performance at the Deutsche Bank Championship. If you look in 2014 at Glen Eagles, Arguably the best duo for the Americans was two rookies and Patrick Reed and George Spieth. With the abundance of rookies that they have, do you have to pair a rookie with Rory McIlroy or do you try and make that a powerhouse team that you feel can go 3-0 and or you're trotting them out in five matches, including Sunday yeah. singles? Well, you're, you are trotting them out in five for sure, but I think you let Rory play with whoever Rory wants to play with. 
you know, there are some things that there are some things, some decisions that some captains have to make. Who Rory's going to play with probably is low on the is list. It, probably yeah. isn't one of them. Or, or yeah, exactly, yeah. maybe one. But he can play whoever. I mean, he could play with Sergio. But as you mentioned, I think Sergio may play with Cabrera Bayo. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he could he could go back. He could play with Justin Rose if the Rose Stinson thing happens to get a little bit sideways. That's your sort of the, the power. Uh, the power duo. I really think you can put him with anyone. You could put him with Matt Fitzpatrick. You could put him with Danny Will. You can put him with any of these guys, and it's not really going to be an issue. Um, so I, you know, I don't really concern myself with who Rory is going to play with. Yeah, I certainly would expect him to play with more than one partner. Yes. Uh, he's a guy that has shown versatility. He can float float around. You got, as you said, you've got Rose Stenson. I think Westwood could probably play with Willett. You put the two Spaniards together, and then you see what else you have left. I definitely think that it would be exciting to see him pair with Thomas Peters. I mean, that would be a be cool. that has a lot of potential for the Europeans right there. But yeah, I think he's he has the adaptability and the versatility to kind of go wherever he needs to be. Mm -hmm. He's a team player. He knows his role, and he's he's going to do that. See, I've heard that before, floating the idea with Peters and McElroy. But then you have a Matthew Fitzpatrick who is not a long hitter by any means. Yeah. Same goes for Andy Sullivan. Mm -hmm. So if you're taking arguably your two longest guys off the tee together. Then how do these other guys? How do these other guys fall into the cracks? Be it, do they have to be paired then with a Lee Westwood or a Martin Keimer, or where's the the breakup there? Uh, well, I'm not Darren Clark, so I <laughs> thankfully don't have to worry about this. I, I mean, yeah, you raise a good point, especially an alternate shot where those guys will be playing yeah. pretty far back if you do something like Fitzpatrick mm -hmm. and Sullivan. So yeah, maybe that would lend credence to putting one of them with with a couple of the longer hitters. Um, but it's it's an embarrassment of riches, well, I would say, despite the rookie aspect. Well, well, that that's yeah. So if you do put Rose and Stinson together, if if the team split down the middle, half rookies and half veterans, and Rose and Stinson go together, and, and you got to yeah, put two rookies. It, exactly. Yeah. So it's just it's going to happen. You just need to try to hide them and make it as comfortable as possible for them. Don't send them out first. May have right. put them second. And you can lean. He's going to be able to. He's going to be able to lean if he wants to on these veterans. You can put Rose, Rory. Westwood, yeah. Keimer, those guys out into four or five matches and yeah. maybe only put the rookies out in two or three before singles if you want to. Yeah. So Will doesn't want to be Captain Darren Clark, but we're going to have you be Captain mind Davis Love the Third oh, shortly. Oh, there we go. Because we oh, got gosh. three of the four captain selections coming after the BMW Championship. Here are some guys who are... George, if you hit a bucket of balls right now, you might be in the consideration for a captain's pick. <laughs> yeah, on just the get American. it airborne, Georgie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you saw me last week. All right, so... These are the names who have already made that automatic eight for the Americans. Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, Phil Mickelson, Patrick Reed. The only rookie out of this top eight, Brooks Kepka. So a very different narrative for the Americans. And remember, they have three of the four picks coming up. There's some guys with a lot of Ryder Cup experience who are just on the cusp of possibly being a captain's pick selection. Well, Golf Channel's Brandon Chambly had a very interesting take on a couple guys who shouldn't have the right to tee it up at Hazeltine. Would you rather pick a player? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put out two players here. One of them's best finish in a major championship this year was 37th. Another's best finish in a major championship this year was 34th. That particular player's never won a match in the Ryder Cup, even though he's played a couple of them. The other player that I mentioned is best finish was 37th in a major championship, went 0-3-0 in the last Ryder Cup. Didn't win. That would be Bubba Watson and Ricky Fowler. Uh, odds on favorites to be picked on this team, but I wouldn't put them on the team for a variety of reasons, lots of reasons. J.B. Holmes, by the way, did not lose a match in 2008 on the Ryder Cup team, again, I think capped correctly by Paul Azinger, and finished third and fourth in a major championship this year. J.B. Holmes should be on that team, so should Jim Furyk. So that was Brandel Chambly there, uh, championing the cause of J.B. Holmes, and Jim Furyk, I think, had to get that top 70 mark 
in a lot of people's eyes to get serious consideration. The more su surprising comment would be that Bubba Watson and Ricky Fowler, he would skip them. I believe they're at 9 and 10 or 10 and yeah. 11, right in the meat of it. What's your take on that? I don't like anyone. I, I said it earlier. And I, I, Just like I'm me in the airport. Down. No, Just I'm, burn it down. I'm, I'm not kidding. I realize, I realize Davis is selecting somebody. Has four. I realize it, and I'm, I'm not kidding when I say I don't like anyone. And, and I've been looking at the numbers, and even you know over the last couple of days, and not even like a Ryan Moore type who's no, he turned actually, out. He's one team. that that actually is is. So that, that I like, softening a little. No, no, that I like more than most, but it doesn't yeah. mean I like him. Don't put words in my mouth, Georgie. <laughs> I don't like. I, I agree with the Ricky and Bubba thing. I, I agree. I actually agree with that. But it comes back to, I believe they will be on the team. So it's almost like, we could sit here and debate whether they should or shouldn't. But I think they will. They're both in the top ten in the world, and they're. Go, I believe they're going to be on the team. See, I could, you, I could totally see Bubba being left off this team. I, well, because he's kind of hard to partner with. Sure, that's and, one and of the reasons, and he has, and he has, and he has, has yeah. He was, he was second on the list after he won at Northern Trust and, fin and finished second at Doral. Yeah. And then he did not automatically qualify. He missed his first cut of the year in Boston, which was a really poor time to miss your first Very cut of the timing. year. Very bad timing. All right, let's just go yes or no. Bubba Watson. I'll say no. Well, as, as, as will we yes or, or no? should we pick? Just, is he going to be on the team? Yes. Okay, let's, let's keep should ripping the through team? these no. then. J.B. Holmes, who, no. No, and that's where I disagree the most with what Brandel had to said. He's missed five of his last nine cuts. Yeah. So I realize what he did in those majors, but he's hitting it sideways in all the other events. And how much it's, stock can you give in 08? He had a great right. performance. That was eight years ago. Yeah. What, Correct. At what point does that so, finally... So opposed to what Brandel said, it's not... It's I ridiculous. mean, George, you and I were up at Barclays, and we were talking to J.B. Holmes, who played well in that first round, and he was shaking at the thought of trying to make that team on merit in the final week of automatic qualification. That's just trying to make the team. Now let's think about if you're actually on the team, standing in that first hole with 10,000 people wrapped around there. I know he played well at the President's Cup last year, but I don't see it happening. Ricky Fowler. Lock. Uh, yeah, I believe he's a lock. I don't know that he should too. be, but I, yeah. believe, I, I believe he's on. I think of everyone yeah. in this pool, Ricky Fowler is the, the lockiest of the locks. I, I have the most faith in him making the team more than Bubba, more than Kucher, more than Pure. I agree with that. What about Ryan Moore? And he, we remember this yep. at Barclays. He was, what, 11th? 11th and, in 2014. And got skipped over. Yes. So clearly a little salty at how that eventually played out. He's yeah. put together a couple good weeks in the yeah, start to his FedEx Cup playoffs. I mean, I look at him as just kind of going in the B pool, looking for that last pick on September 25th after the Tour Championship. I wrote in Monday Scramble this week that there are three guys who have two top 15s so far in the playoffs. It's Ryan Moore, Gary Woodland, and Jason Kokrak. All three, the last two are bombers. Ryan Moore won a U.S. Amateur, good match play record. But they're not conventional guys that you would expect right. to get a pick, a la Horschel two years ago. And I could see one of them forcing Davis Love's hand by exactly. challenging at the Tour he Championship. Ha he ha Ryan Moore's not missed a cut since the players, has played well recently. And the fact that nobody else has jumped up and played so well the last two weeks does help a guy like that. I think Ryan Moore is a pretty even keel guy that could thrive. He's a match play type. assassin. Yeah, that could thrive in I that know, that's type that's a of long setup. time ago, too, but that doesn't leave you. That, that match play mentality doesn't leave you. Yeah. And there, there is something to be said for taking a guy who was overlooked and has that little bit of extra motivation yeah, to finally yeah. get his shot at mm -hmm. it. All right, instead of going through all eight of these names, let's throw out Jim Furyk, that's the other one that's really been no bandied about. See, no I, I, I will say, I will agree with you, George. I think he was a lock if he made Crooked Stick. Yeah. He did not. 
Uh, now I would downgrade him to doubtful, but not yet out, just because no one else is stepping up. This is a new up. NFL uh, injury. Yes. Uh, his time's past. The 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 ten twenty and four Ryder Cup. It's it's time. I think he will be a great captain. I think he will be a super helpful assistant. His time has passed. Please let some young blood come in there. What I'm curious about, and this was a you step. I said no to just about everybody. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you were true to your word. At least you said going in. It's like, I hate the whole thing. Every single one of you should be. Should the be only cut. yes that was given was Ricky Fowler. So if you're saying no to all these guys, then, then who's going to make it? Well, They're just going to suit up nine well, or ten? I, I actually think he's going to pick Matt Kuchar. I think yeah. a little Sea Island thing. And you know yeah. what? Matt Kuchar, eight top ten since the Masters. It's more than anybody else on this list that we've talked about. And why it's not much, it's not wins. Did play well at the Olympics. I think it's going to have a little bit of juice to it. I think he's solid enough. You compare him with a lot of people. I think Matt Kuchar will be on that. Yeah, if we're doing like percentages, I would say Fowler at 95%. I'd put Kuchar at about 70%. Mm -hmm. And then it gets real fuzzy for that third pick, whether you're talking about Bubba, yeah. possibly Fury, possibly one of the younger players working their way up this week at, uh, at the BMW. So I feel like two are pretty well solidified in that third spot. Is that yeah. I'm wondering with this task force and everything that they've laid out, and you see the list of names once again, prior to the start of the FedEx Cup playoffs, if you had just looked at Ricky Fowler from March up until August, he was about 27th in the standings. If you just took that chunk oh, yeah. of five to six months. So I'm, what I'm wondering is why captains don't necessarily give more stock in the last two months, four months, six months. There's always this buildup of, okay, this guy is ninth, he has to be picked. Well, if he's been trending towards 25th to 30th, yet you never see them go that far outside the box. They'll go to like 13th exactly. or 14th. Yeah. So a name that has also been thrown on the list, even though his win in CIMB in Malaysia doesn't count, is Justin Thomas. So at what point would you take a young guy who clearly has a lot of game, who's maybe 20th, but then the onus falls on you as the captain to have this guy succeed. Otherwise, everyone's saying, well, why did you go that far down and pick oh, that I would, guy? I would do it in a heartbeat, and I have zero faith in Davis Love doing it. Me too. So, I mean, that's me now we're at a standstill. That's why I think the whole task force, and I, don't, and I don't want to get off on that tangent, that's why I think that whole thing was a joke. Because, first of all, I don't think Davis Love should be the Ryder Cup captain. I don't think he could. Whether, whether it was his fault or was not his fault four years ago, the fact is he was the captain on the, on the U.S. Ryder Cup team that had the biggest collapse on home, home soil in Ryder Cup history. And whether it was or was not his fault, he does not deserve a second chance. Okay, I'm done and over with that. I realize <laughs> he does have one. But with, that's what this Ryder, this task force was here to help develop new blood. Right. Now, I don't think Justin Thomas has exact, exactly helped himself. His last four starts, T3 miscut, T10 miscut. So, so I know, but two missed cuts. So, so what I'm saying is if it was even four made cuts in two top tens, I think you have a better case. I would love to see a Daniel Berger, Justin Thomas, some of this new blood, especially if you go Ricky, Bubba, Kuchar, then I think you owe it to the team and to the future of the Ryder Cup to go with a young guy who's going to be hungry and run through walls for you. But that's the problem is that then if you wait, if you slot that last pick with, with and, an earmar and you earmark it, and then someone plays, if Ryan Moore is sitting there with the FedEx Cup right. on September 25th, you can't not take him even Correct. if you wanted to use that pick for right. a young guy. Who's right. the most deserving rookie that should be picked as a captain's pick? You've got a Oof. Daniel Berger, Justin Thomas. Those are are two names that we've already mentioned. Are there any others where you would go further down the list and take a flyer on? I would say Ryan Moore is more deserving than either of those two, and not exactly the young gun model, but if you're talking about Ryder Cup rookies. Yeah. Of the two, JT and, and Berger, I would give Berger the edge. Oh, he has the more recent Ryan Moore in. It doesn't necessarily have to consider be. Consider him yeah. thrown in. Ryan Moore. <laughs> in Let's just pool. make the rules yeah. up as we go What would you go with? 
I would I would go with Justin Thomas. I I think he has more of a chance to be on more future Ryder Cups than the other guys. And, and I like I like Daniel Berger's game. Like, I love like, his I mean, personality. Really I know he's battled injuries yeah. for a lot of the summer, yeah. but Berger I think would yeah. Berger, really relish Berger is that a guy. If, and now we're going way too deep. If we're like reading into intangibles, but but if Berger is a guy who <laughs> I feel like is here. going to swagger up to that first tee and look whoever he's playing right in the eye and not blink. I want guys that won't blink. And I want a captain who's not afraid to take a guy who he thinks won't blink. Yes. <laughs> but I don't have any confidence. No, that faith. Going to happen. no faith. And that's what I said. I said this earlier. I was talking to you last week, and this is not a joke. You're probably going to snicker. You're hey. not because you... Because certain places, you, because you, you shouldn't it. joke. Yeah. <laughs> as, yeah, as, we, as we've learned. I would almost... It, I would almost call Tiger Woods and say, Tiger, who are the four? And I would take those four because I feel like Davis Love is too nice and too diplomatic. And while Tiger Woods does have buddies on the tour and, you know, he's known Jim Furyk for a long time, maybe we'll lean towards that. I know that he's had nothing else to do but sit around and figure out who would be the best four, who is going to pair with who. And so I would almost say, Tiger, who do you have? And take the four. I know that's not going to happen. I know it's crazy but a, a guy can dream. I really think that Tiger Woods would pick the four best players in his mind for that with nothing else, not, whether he's a buddy or not a buddy. You know, he doesn't have to be afraid to be diplomatic, any of that stuff. I really do think it would happen. Well, the fun part for us with how everything's shifted back now with captain's picks, BMW Championship carries a lot of water on yeah, how guys fare this week at Crooked Stick, and this is what you can catch this week on Golf Channel. Of course, the BMW Championship, the third leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs on Golf Channel and then NBC on the weekend. The KLM Open for the European Tour and the DEP Championship, the first event of the Web.com Tour Finals, the Final Four. So who needs the biggest possible week as things start up Thursday at 2.30 Eastern at Crooked Stick to help solidify a spot on the American Ryder Cup squad? I think it's Bubba. I think yeah, Bubba sure. is on the outside. I, I Like I said, I put Kutcher ahead of Bubba. So I think that Bubba needs, especially coming off of a poorly timed missed cut, he needs a, a big week. He needs a top ten. Yeah, he needs to show signs of life. He needs to show that he has some sort of form. Not I, I don't form. know that he has he hit a memorable golf big. shot since Doral. You might be right. You might be, and that's, that, doesn't bode, that doesn't bode well. I think it's him. And then it's the other guys. I mean, it, I, I, actually, it's him. It's him. <laughs> it, it's Bubba and only Bubba when you're talking about the Americans. I think, as you say, Kucher and Ricky, I think they're set. Anybody else, just show up and play well and hope like Strange hell Davis is paying attention. Yeah. I mean, you look at this event last year. Daniel Berger came out of nowhere, finished second. Maybe not him specifically, but you could see someone just come out of the woodwork and really put up a good number, and it's going to give Davis Love something to think about. It's certainly going to give you a lot of pause when you have a couple of veterans who have been sliding in the wrong direction yeah. who two weeks ago seemed like locks for three of the four picks and then the fourth being a flyer after the Tour Championship. Now it seems like there's a lot of volatility because, say, if uh, – well, I guess there's no cut at the BMW yeah. Yeah. Championship. So unless Ricky or – Cooch seems, I would say, more of a lock. But if, if Ricky had, like, a 65th place finish, that would be the only scenario where it seems like you could really open up the conversation to consider leaving him off. Yeah, I just think it goes back to what you said, Jay, where they brought Davis Love III back, and I and when he doesn't do anything different than four years ago, we shouldn't be mad. We should be mad at ourselves for expecting something different. That's a good point. Because it's just going to be the same. It's a good point. It's and not you. We'll 
It's, it's me. It's yeah. About, it's right. Yeah. That's a very fitting note. And our <laughs> Monday Scramble podcast for Will Gray, Jay Coffin. I'm George Sabarikis. Thanks to Rex Hoggard for joining us as well. Until next time, we'll see you out there.